This episode of the podcast is presented in a 4-3 aspect ratio to preserve the integrity of Zack Snyder's creative vision. This week on Totally Biased Media, we talk Zack Snyder's Justice League, pitch our own gritty reimaginings of popular series, Falcon applies for a bank loan, and more. Stay tuned for episode 2 of TBM. I'm Jackson Walkup, and I'm barely old enough to watch this movie. I'm Jason Simmons, and my mustache has been digitally removed for reshoots of this podcast. I'm Jordan Walkup, and I, E-I-E-I, will always love you. Ladies and gentlemen, he's back, they're back, we're back. I'm talking Zack Snyder, the Justice League, us, in that order. So, many of you have been asking for this movie for years. And finally, well, they delivered, and it's here, and it's big, and it's got all the greats. Zack Snyder, best known for Legend of the Guardians, The Owls of Ga'ul. We got Ben Affleck back as Batman. You know him as uh, the unnamed man in the store in that one 2009 episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Personally, I I more relate to him as the nameless boyfriend in Jennifer Lopez's Jenny on the Block video, but that's just me. We got Henry Cavill as Superman. You know, you know, Henry Cavill from the 2002 TV movie Goodbye Mr. Chips. Amy Adams back as Lois, and uh, she really knocks it out of the park. Brings all that experience from playing not one, not two, but three different characters in four episodes of King of the Hill. And Gal Gadot, Gal Gadot, I'm not 100% sure how to say it, but you know her from the Wix.com Super Bowl ad with Jason Statham. Now, for any of you who aren't familiar, this is actually just the recut of the 2017 film uh, that Zack Snyder was set to direct, but had to leave mid-production. So Joss Whedon came in and was just like, I got you fam, and put out the worst superhero movie I have ever seen. So... We're sort of uh, in a period of rebuilding, of course, as a nation, and apparently as fans of the Justice League. So Zack Snyder came back with his original vision completely intact and just as long as it could possibly be. So Jackson, why don't you give us a bit of a rundown on what Justice League is and sort of where the movie has us at. So basically, in Batman vs Superman, Superman sacrifices himself to stop Doomsday. And Batman, who was inspired by his act, he his faith in humanity is very much restored. And after a vision of a nightmarish world that he doesn't really know much about yet, with the help of Wonder Woman, he unites other super-powered people to help stop this threat from just, you know, nightmaring the world. So yeah, that's... It's kind of like marrying. It's a good way to put it. And, and who's the who's the big bad here? Who who are we trying to stop? Uh, 
so so really like you know stefan wolf's the one that they're fighting for most of the time but he he works for dark side they never actually fight dark side himself they just see him through a portal i don't even know if they really know who hey, he man, is those are spoilers back it down but we got we got Steppenwolf back from the first movie. In the original cut, he is sort of his own self-contained villain of the movie. And then this time around, he is more just a conduit for Darkseid to come in and mess with Earth. He also has a fancy new redesign for this movie because he looked real bad originally. Yep. And hey, I'm not saying he looks great now, but it's an improvement. I would say he's probably probably the best CGI character in the movie. In ter- Sorry, the second best. I don't know if we want to get into this now or later, but... Let's hold off, because I assume I know who you're talking about, and that's sort of, let's say, late game. Yeah, I will say, I I, didn't, I still don't really like Steph Wolf's design that much, but there was this cool lighting effect with it, where there was like a prismatic glare off of his armor that was pretty cool i thought cool. His, his armor was constantly moving it almost kind of looked like centipede legs and i thought that was a pretty cool effect but anyways we'll, we'll talk more about what what's cool and what isn't jason what are sort of some of the themes and, and messages of this movie well the main theme of the movie is uh uniting the justice league <laughs> i mean look it's a superhero movie <laughs> The themes are Earth is under a threat, and the only people that can stop it is the Justice League, uh, and the Justice League doesn't exist yet, so they gotta get together. I mean, I would say a central theme of the movie is probably unity. Uh, you know, they all need to come together, put aside their differences to stop a much bigger threat than any of them could handle individually. There's a nice kind of story arc with Batman that kind of goes from Batman versus Superman, where he's at a very low point, uh, you know, almost to the point not even almost sorry he's at the point where he's like you know freely killing people they kind of tease it in batman vs superman but one of his robins has died so i mean in batman vs superman you have a very broken batman uh but by the end of this movie uh batman's kind of character arc comes around and he's you know very much believing in humanity again kind of like jackson said earlier uh to the point where (laughs) Before the final battle, Batman's even relying on faith as what keeps him going. Yeah, I think a lot of it is definitely sort of... It, it's sort of like the same types of themes we were talking about with Raya and the Last Dragon last week. About how we need to be a little more willing to rely on other people. We need to be more willing to open up to other people. And it it definitely, like... I think one of the biggest differences... Uh, between the original cut of the movie and this one is that it it puts a little more emphasis on those relationships between the six members of the Justice League, and it really shows like these are not just six incredibly powerful beings that are all working towards the same goal. These are six incredibly powerful beings that know how to work really well together to achieve that goal. And like one thing I'll say, Cyborg, like in the first movie, he wasn't really anything. They didn't really delve too deep into him in the original, but like he's probably one of the deepest of the characters in this cut of the yeah, film. Yeah, it's worth mentioning. Cyborg's definitely the emotional backbone of the film. Uh, I mean, his storyline is very prevalent through the whole thing. His relationship with his father and how that affects him coming into his abilities or receiving his abilities. <laughs> 
and kind of the relationships he starts to form with the other members of the Justice League. It's worth mentioning as well, in the original 2017 cut, the only relationship that really gets explored between any of the members of the Justice League is really Batman and Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in this film, or in this cut of the film, you see a lot of relationships forming between all the different members of the Justice League. It's really more about the team coming together, <laughs> whereas the original cut just kind of felt like coming together was inevitable, and the only relationships that really mattered were Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. Because in the first movie, like, Flash, Aquaman, and Cyborg had not been introduced yet, so, like, there was no development for them yet, but this character, flesh, I mean, this uh, this cut of the film really fleshes these characters out a good bit more, specifically Cyborg. Yeah, it's amazing what you can do by adding two hours to your runtime. <laughs> you can really flesh out your characters a little bit more. <laughs> yeah uh, okay I, I think that's a, a pretty solid transition into getting more into like what we actually thought of the movie so jackson you you get us started what what were your overall impressions i mean so i don't really think it was a bad movie but the fact that it's four <laughs> hours takes away from my enjoyment of it so much like because me and Jason were watching it together last night, and, uh, like, it's just, it's so <laughs> long. Like, we started at a 10, and you'd think you'd be over with the movie by 12. It was 2 o'clock by the time I went to bed. Yeah, I get that. It, it is tough, because, like, there were, some, there were genuinely some things I really liked about this movie, but the entire time there's this overarching idea of, like, this is four <laughs> hours long. Yeah, it's a good yeah, like, movie. I am joy most of it but it doesn't have really any respect for your time as a film goer or uh, you know as a film watcher yeah four hours is not necessary to get your story across and it's definitely not necessary to get this story across this is not yeah. super complicated absolutely so jackson what are what would you say are some of the pros like what are what are some things you really liked about the movie pros the story feels a little more coherent. The characters are much more fleshed out. Cons, uh, four hours, four three, and CGI was not very good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were some things that were good, like um, like we said earlier, uh, Stephen Wolf's redesign was much better. Probably the best piece of CGI in the movie. Cyborg, on the other hand, who was in a good bit of the movie, is. He just Bad. looks like a floating head for the vast majority of the movie. And it's not Ray Fisher's fault. I think he does really well with the role. Yeah, he knocks it out of the park. Definitely some like actual emotional gravitas to some of the scenes with him, which is surprising because this man is 90% CGI in the film. <laughs> and is traditionally a member of the Teen Titans. <laughs> well, it's worth mentioning that uh, it's several years ago, they kind of rewrote the Justice League... Uh, origin story to make cyborg Mm -hmm. one of the main members they basically booted out martian manhunter (laughs) and replaced him with cyborg and like don't get me wrong i genuinely think that cyborg has a lot of depth like in the character's origins and in the character's portrayal and his attitude and i i actually think like it's really cool that he's a part of the main justice league now but growing up with the Teen Titans and like that was, I mean, that was one of my favorite shows as a kid. Seeing him in very much uh, not Teen Titans esque roles has been 
pretty weird. But yeah, anyways, Jason, what, what were your overall thoughts of the movie? I mean, I would say overall I liked it. I, I feel like there was a lot more character depth. The action scenes are all, you know, fairly well improved, if not much longer. <laughs> uh, you have a lot of... Uh, there, there's a lot more char- uh, chances for characters to interact with each other in a way that doesn't feel like it's rushed, right? I, I mean, honestly, there's a lot of good to say about making uh, about the length of the film. It does allow it, it does make things seem less rushed. It gives you the movie's divided into six parts, and each part kind of has its own plot structure to it. And I just want to say, like, I don't know what it is about that particular format, but I always find that really cool when movies do that. Like, when they break up a film even further to say, like, that it's the different acts or the different parts or whatever. I don't know why. I just always really appreciate that. And I, I like the fact that it's six parts, each one with its own title. And I don't I don't know. That's just me personally. I just, I just find that kind of thing cool for some reason. I would honestly say that the way we watched it is probably not the best way. I think it would probably be better to watch it as uh, kind of the same way you would watch one of the Marvel TV shows. You know, split it up at each chapter. Because sitting there for four hours, I I mean, a lot of stuff kind of just blends together at that point. You're not really going to be able to take in what's there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, me personally, like it's I've had so much going on this last week, especially since it just came out three or four days ago. I really just did not have any one four hour window to watch it. So I watched like the first three parts in one sitting and the rest in another. And that felt appropriate. Like that felt like that felt like it was two separate sufficient movies, whereas I think altogether it's just a bit much. It's also a very dense movie. Yeah. So watching yep. it all at once, like I honestly don't remember the decent chunks of the movie just because, you know, there was something more exciting or just more interesting that happened on either end of it, even if it was a good scene. I mean, it doesn't help that while the movie's much longer and there's a lot of new scenes or completely changed scenes, I've seen this film <laughs> before, right? Yeah. yeah. So after a while sitting there watching it, I mean, you kind of just fall into a groove where it's like, oh, well, I know what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. I've seen this movie. And if you're right, partially, you're going to miss... Uh, like, in some of the fight scenes, there are a lot of scenes that are still used from the original cut of the movie with new scenes uh, interspersed throughout. And you really miss out on some of those scenes just because of all the scenes you've already seen before. Scene doesn't sound like a word to me anymore. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I get that. I've actually, I've seen clips from the movie today that I don't remember from a movie that I watched last night. (laughs) And it's not, it's not because those scenes are bad or unmemorable. It's just because like my eyes were kind of glazed over. I've been sitting, uh, staring at the screen for over two hours at this point. I'm not going to notice something small like that, even if it is really cool. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I'm, I am sure that there is some very specific corner of the internet that's like, actually, no, you're just stupid for not enjoying this masterpiece for four hours. And maybe there's some validity to that. Maybe it's just we as people are not adjusted to consume long form media in one sitting. But yeah, for me, it just, it doesn't feel, it it doesn't feel like that is the way it, it should be watched. And I think there's a lot a lot of validity of what you're saying and like this felt like episodes of like a tv drama put together into a movie than it did as its own movie 
Well, I think originally it was supposed to be released in like a mini series format, and each of those parts would have been released at their own separate time. Actually, I not entirely I've done sure a if bit that's of correct. Into this. But there was going to be a mini series preceding this four-hour movie. <laughs> ah, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> Oof! I could not imagine. So you just mean like they would release it again, but split it up as no, a no, mini series, no, like a mini series leading into like the movie, the mini series uh, of new content leading into a full mm. four-hour movie. That's wild. I, you know, it's worth mentioning. I've seen okay. long movies before, though. Uh, you know, movies mm-hmm. that are more closer to like the two and a half, three-hour block. Uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, two and a half, three hour time length. And I haven't really had kind of the same problems that I had with uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League. I think the pacing is kind of an issue. I mean, some of the stuff some of the stuff in this movie kind of lines up, at least partially, with how it happened in the original cut, time-wise. Um, like, there is gener- there's a fight scene around an hour into the original cut of Justice League. And the same fight scene is around two hours into this cut of Justice League. <laughs> the problem and was... And that's one of the fights that's basically the same, too. Yeah. Like, that one is almost unchanged. The problem is, in the original Justice League, there was less than an hour left after that. In this cut, there was two hours left. <laughs> yeah. I, like, I think for me personally, I actually did enjoy it, which was something I was genuinely not anticipating being the case. Um, it's like I told you guys, I really didn't have a contingency for sitting down to watch this four-hour movie and then at the end being glad I did it. Um, But I do genuinely believe it fixed a lot of the mistakes of the original movie. Yeah, I'm sorry if I sound negative. I I really did enjoy the movie. I I thought it was a much better movie than Joss Whedon's uh, Justice League. It's just... It is kind of hard to divorce it from comparing it to the original. But, like, for me, I think that, you know... Some of the stuff it it did surprisingly well was much better use of Steppenwolf's character. Um, Having him be sort of a vehicle for a bigger villain, I think, was much better. It fit the character a lot better than having them be sort of his own end, um, which I think was great. And I think that everything they did for Cyborg's character in this version is immensely better i think that he went from being an underutilized afterthought to being like a genuine emotional backbone for this movie in an incredibly cool way um and i think that was that was excellent but yeah like just some of the things i some of the things i didn't love of course the length is is definitely the big one um and there's just so many slow-mo scenes things that are happening that just take longer than they should because of the cinematography I thought was a little bit odd. And even though there's still a lot of background for each character, it's still like something doesn't quite add up with the Justice League in this movie for me. Like, I don't know, their their motivations still don't feel correct or necessary, I think. Like there's just something about this concept of of Batman going to all these superheroes and them all effectively saying no and then immediately turning back around and be like, well, actually, yes. That just, that still feels a little bit odd, even with the more time invested in each character. I mean, they they all turn around after they're personally affected by it. I mean, uh, Aquaman 
I, I don't know if this is too spoilery, but I mean, Aquaman doesn't join until Atlantis gets attacked. I, I like, I think that they all join for valid reasons. It just feels weird because the first chunk of the movie is him going to all these heroes and them all basically turning them down one after another. And the next leg of the movie is them all one by one having something bad happen to them where they're like, well, actually, and it still just didn't quite feel it. It's not that it didn't work it's just it didn't seem very natural but i think above all else my not even not even thing i dislike about the movie but the part that is the most confusing to me about this movie are this just handful of incredibly weird scenes that they try and apply this like dramatic gravity to that just isn't there like we talked about it uh off mic a bit before but there's a scene where Aquaman has just told Batman he's not interested in joining the Justice League. He strips down to jump back in the ocean, and after he does, all the villagers in this small town start gathering around and singing like what almost sounds like a hymn in whatever their native language is, and it's just incredibly weird. Like, it felt totally unprovoked. It doesn't make sense with Aquaman's character and I don't know, like, it was just so out of the blue. And there are multiple scenes like this that just feel really out of place. I, I didn't um, think that scene felt out of place, per se. I mean, I got it. Because what Aquaman's doing at that point is going to all these different villages. The village in particular that he was at in that scene was, you know, completely cut off from all of its supply lines due to it being the winter. I mean, Bruce Wayne has to take a horse to get there. <laughs> um so presumably the weather's even too bad to bring planes in. And they're all very thankful for him. I think that he's the only reason that the village survives. So we, they've kind of, you know, lifted him up as some kind of messiah. Yeah, they kind of see him as this, like, benevolent god that is... I don't think hair, it fits right? with Aquaman's character, though, to be so accepting of that. Yeah, that, that I guess that's more what I mean. It's like, it just felt awkward because... We know enough about Jason Momoa's depiction of Aquaman that isn't reflective of him at all. I it just went on way too long though. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was that several. Too. I think it was at least a couple minutes of just yeah. all the people in the town singing. Oh, and I, I pointed out to Jackson while we were watching it that there are several scenes where Aquaman takes his shirt off, throws it to the side, <laughs> and then jumps into the ocean. Yeah, where's he getting yeah. the shirts from? <laughs> Also, like, what are other people doing with those shirts? Like, well, the, the lady picked goes it up by... in the singing scene. Oh, oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, man, I don't even want to know what's happening to those <laughs> shirts. <laughs> but like, there's also it's not even just individual scenes that get kind of weird. There's like a 15 minute section in the first half of the movie that just feels totally unnecessary, like. Basically, um, Steppenwolf attacks the Amazonians. That's Wonder Woman's people. It's actually one of the cooler scenes, the, like the actual invasion. But afterwards, the Amazonians, who are basically cut off from modern society, have to send a signal to the rest of the world that there is danger ahead. And they do it by lighting a fire on an island that isn't part of the Amazonian um, stronghold so that everyone else can see. And there's just, like, one, that didn't really feel necessary to begin with. And two, there's a scene of 
Wonder Woman going to where the fire is, picking up the arrow, exploring some ruins, finding out some, like, vague prophecies about Darkseid, and all that just felt totally unnecessary. Like, that could have just not been a part of it. I I thought that was a pretty important scene. At least the scene where she goes to the ruins. I mean, like, the arrow was fired because it was the Amazons trying to warn the world of man, and specifically Wonder Woman, who they knew was the only one that would understand the flare, that they were in danger and someone was coming to attack them. And then the ruins that she's exploring aren't a prophecy. It's telling the story of the first time when the worlds of man, the Amazonians, and the Atlanteans all teamed up to fight Darkseid, who was trying to destroy the world with the three mother boxes. Which is kind of the the big thing that they're trying to stop in this, only instead of Darkseid, it's Steppenwolf. So I mean, that's really establishing, like, this has happened before, uh, what the stakes are for the movie, and also... It gave us an excuse to see that really cool fight scene where Zeus and Ares and also some Green Lanterns. Oh, no, no. Like, I thought that was... You get the cool army yeah. scene. No, I thought that the the scene of the original fight between Darkseid and the, you know, combination of all of Earth's forces, I thought that was really cool. Like, I thought that was an excellent uh, addition or expansion, however you want to look at it, from the original. It was more just... I guess it. I guess my complaint was I just felt like it took way too long for her to like get on site, get the arrow, take it into the caves. Like it just felt like I, I just think there were a lot of things like that that could have been much more succinct, and it wouldn't have necessarily hurt the movie in any way for it, and it would have helped make it a little bit more digestible in the end. I'm gonna disagree on this one. I thought that was that was probably one of the better scenes of the movie. It also kind of establishes a sense of longing for Wonder Woman, because it's a message from a world that she can't get back to. Because they don't go over it too much in Wonder Woman. I mean, they kind of blow it off at the beginning when she first leaves the island, but like she can't get back to Themyscira. I don't understand. There is a weird plot hole. I don't understand how Chris Pine and the Germans got to Themyscira, but like the idea is... If you're outside of Themyscira, there's not a way in. I I think that that's one of those things that we're probably not going to see a, a lot of clarification on just because you have different writers and directors that have had different takes on that and different films. And there have been ways it's been depicted differently in the comics and different eras. And yeah, that's probably not something that we're ever going to get a ton of clear answers on. No one really knows the state of the DCEU right now, but, like, Snyder Cut is not the canon film. So, like, in the canon... In, in the canon of the DCU, that scene with Wonder Woman exploring the temple and, like, finding the arrow doesn't even happen. (laughs) In the original, she just sees the news, uh, program about it, and, like, I don't think canon really matters in this case, because I believe after Joss Whedon's Justice League the DCEU was effectively cancelled and all the movies were changed to be either prequels or completely unrelated. Well, I don't I don't think it's cancelled, it's just like there's no established like longevity for it. Like like with the with the Marvel movies, like for the longest time they knew they were doing the Infinity Saga, but at this point, because of what happened with Justice League, there's kind of just so right. yeah, I mean yes. that's what I'm saying. Like I don't think that the DCEU as established in the original cut of Justice League is a thing anymore. That's been cancelled. Yeah, whereas I I think we could mm-hmm. definitely see sequels to, to spin off of this particular depiction of Justice League. I mean it really depends on depends on fan outcome. And there will be some. <laughs> 
like hashtag uh what is it yeah. hashtag Zack snyder verse zach snyder Re- restored really the snyder verse he was all like i just need 70 million dollars to finish my artistic vision and then he was just like and i'm also gonna throw in a bunch of stuff that sets up sequels that fans will be really mad if we don't promise on but really just the 70 million to fix this movie is all we need yeah there's a lot of sequel bait in this movie and it's all bad. <laughs> Martian Manhunter, The Flash, Cyborg, Batman, just yeah. Justice League as a whole, yeah. Superman. There's sequel bait for all of it. Woof. It was so much. Like, so, this movie, it's four hours long. I think we can all agree that that is too long. I'm sure people are going to come out and say, like, nah, it's perfect. I think... What is much more important to me than the fact that it is four hours is the fact that the last 30 minutes mean nothing. Like, they are all over the place and serve no purpose for this narrative, and it is just wild. Yeah, the the end of the movie, they've are, good has prevailed. Spoiler. Hey, the good guys win at the end still. They didn't change that part. Uh, but they're like... But it keeps going for 30 more minutes. 30 minutes, they're like, alright, here's Lex Luthor. Alright. Here's Batman. Hey, what if they lost? Also, the Joker's here. <laughs> it is, it's crazy. Like, absolute insanity that this is part of the same movie. I remember I, they showed off the Joker quite a bit in some of the uh, advertising for this. And I remember getting like three and a half hours into the movie and looking at Jackson and being like, you know, <laughs> the Joker still hasn't been in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And they won was... already. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting (laughs) i just i just don't get it i think honestly i think the movie would have been much much better if the last 30 minutes just didn't happen both in terms of the movie being easier to watch and just the negative impact that 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 last several scenes had on the movie as a whole because they're just totally out in left field they're totally unrelated to what batman is trying to do with creating the justice league like it is the sequel bait for batman with Lex Luthor and Deathstroke, I am honestly really excited by it, just because I, I love Deathstroke as a character. <laughs> but then I just remember, like, oh, Ben Affleck's already said he's not doing another Batman movie. Like, that's not happening. <laughs> well, and we already have another new Batman movie already in post-production, and it's with a new actor in a new setting, and from my understanding, no hint of Deathstroke. So it's most likely going to be totally separate from everything in this movie now don't get me wrong i am quite excited for that depiction of batman i actually thought the trailer was kind of cool and you know has some interesting ideas for the character but it's just yeah it is very hard to keep up with what to expect from this um i am positive that with enough time we will see some kind of follow-up to this movie um because fans will be online tweeting about it and talking about it on all the chans uh, um for forever until these next you know set of movies come out but yeah it, it does leave a lot of weird questions about like what's connected to what and should we expect more and when and what actors will be in it and it's- i mean personally if they were to make the snyder cut the canon justice league in the DCU, I would be fine with them adding more Justice League movies, but like if they're sticking with the original Justice League, no. 
Well, and we've actually had some good movies post Justice League. I mean, Aquaman was was pretty good. Still haven't seen it. Shazam was excellent. So yeah, it, it it's weird. And I think that Shazam was fundamentally unaffected by the events of Justice League, but still, it it leaves some questions. Like there was clearly some kind of intention to have Shazam related to future Justice League projects in some capacity, and that's very likely not going to happen in the it's on the route we're on. And I think like uh, like Flash still has his solo movie planned. Now that's sometime next year still. Um, same thing with Aquaman with his second film. I'm sure Wonder Woman will have a third film, but like Cyborg, Batman, and Superman, like we don't know what's happening with them right now. Well, there's still a Batman film happening. Well, I'm, I mean, it's like not a sequel. Anymore. Yeah, I just mean like the DCEU Batman. I mean, like I said though, I I don't know that like the solo Flash movie is going to be connected to Justice League at all. Ben Affleck is still credited for pre-production on the Flash movie. Oh yeah. So. I don't. I don't know. They're gonna have him and Michael Keaton. Yep, it's gonna be real weird. But anyways, that's not that's not in our purview to go making guesses about what Warner Brothers is going to do with DC Comics properties in the future because they probably don't know. Um, sort of wrap up some of our review stuff here. I wanted to read a couple of reviews, uh, just a couple that I thought were pretty pretty accurate depiction of this movie. Um, so uh, Jake Wilson of The Age says, Is the whole four hours really necessary? Not remotely. Still, Snyder and his fans have not fought in vain. This is a genuinely different film from the earlier Justice League and is a much more, and is a much more coherent one. Now, it sounds like a low bar to say, like, that is coherent is a pro for this movie, but after how bad the original one is, I, I totally get it. The original Justice League has a lot of, like, weird plot holes in it. I mean, for starters, at the very beginning of Justice League, you know, when Batman's trying to assemble the Justice League, he already knows that there are aliens uh, coming to attack. No indication of that. The only thing he would be going by for that would be his own nightmare, which doesn't seem like something Batman would do. Okay, well, here's here's another review that I think is... It sums up this movie in as few words as I think is possible, and that's part of the reason why I find it so brilliant. Uh, Michael Phillips of the Chicago Tribune says, I'd love to say it isn't half bad, but I can't, because it is. It is roughly 50% bad. (laughs) And like, yeah, (laughs) like half the movie I think is great. The other half is totally unnecessary, or at the very least, stretched so much. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like, it's hard for me to uh, pull out individual scenes from the movie that are bad. I guess for me, when I I say, I guess saying it's roughly 50% bad isn't necessarily fair. To say it is 50% neutral and 50% good, I think, is more succinct. Yeah, I I mean, there's definitely an argument that a lot of the scenes no matter if they're good or not, are wasteful. Yeah. They're, they're scenes that either don't advance the plot, or if they do advance the plot, it's in meaningless ways that could be handled better by shorter scenes. Okay, so to close out this section... Yeah, another thing about this movie that people have made a lot of uh, comments about and kind of made a bigger deal about than it needs to be is that the movie is, as you're warned, the very first thing you see... <laughs> That the movie is presented in a 4-3 aspect ratio in order to, and I quote, preserve Zack Snyder's original vision. And I think 
I think what's great about that is that uh, for most of us, we don't really see the benefit to the 4-3 whatsoever, but it is that warning at the beginning that elevates this so much. I, I kind of understand where he's coming from. The idea is that when you're watching a movie in a theater, uh, specifically IMAX theaters, when they shoot IMAX uh, on, I think it's 35 millimeter, it's in a 4-3 aspect ratio, and it fills the entire IMAX screen. Whereas normally, you know, if you're watching a movie, it's going to have bars at the top and bottom. Mm-hmm. Whereas Zack Snyder wanted the whole film to be in the same aspect ratio, so everything would kind of fill the entire IMAX screen, just like as if it was being filmed in IMAX, which I think makes a lot of sense if this movie was in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the fact that everybody, unless they're exorbitantly rich or they're lucky enough to have like a, a theater near them that's doing a special showing, is going to be watching this film on a widescreen television. Yep. <laughs> and instead of having the full screen filled like Zack Snyder wanted, it's just going to have giant bars on the sides instead of the top and bottom. Yep. <sighs> yeah. Speaking of seeing it in a movie theater, Jesus. <laughs> yeah could you imagine sitting in a movie theater for four Uh, hours straight you would have to have coordinated bathroom breaks or someone or someone just has to not drink anything for like the day leading up to it so they can be like the designated note taker of the group god i miss going to the movie so much i have a cutoff i have a very specific movie in mind and it will be the first movie that I see in theaters uh, post COVID, of course. And we're gonna—I'll talk about it a little bit later. I'm gonna mention part of it um, at the end of the episode. But like, I have a very clear idea in my mind of like, I will be back in a movie theater by this date. <laughs> it may not come to fruition, but I'm really counting on it. Anyways, to to close out our uh, review section, uh, I'm going to read a quick quick review and then we're going to uh to take a break this is a review by bobby on letterboxd bobby says joss whedon took a hot stinky diarrhea and zach Snyder said dude no 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 no, like this and he took a huge regular crap (laughs) truly bobby is the movie critic of our generation Hello, I'm Snack Cider, and I have a vision. A vision that fits squarely into a 4-3 aspect ratio. I'm here today to sell you the future. It's a television. It's only in black and white. It's perfectly square, and you've probably seen it in your grandparents' house. You see, square television is the future. When you're watching an IMAX film, you want your whole screen to be filled with that sweet IMAX goodness. And if you're watching anything else, you want it to be completely unintelligible. That's why square TVs are the future, and I'm here to sell them to you. I know you don't just want to hear it from me, so let's talk to one of our satisfied customers of a square TV. I'm here with one of our satisfied customers of a square TV. His name's Jerry, he's 77, and he is from Fort Augustine, Florida. At first, I was just thinking, this is just like the TV I had as a kid. 
and that I've had ever since and have never changed or upgraded. And then I realized, yeah, and that's all I ever wanted. So thanks, Snack Zider. I do have to ask, why does it weigh 400 pounds? That's just one of our many satisfied customers. And I'm here today to sell you the Square TV for not $300, not $400, but $900. That's right. For just $900, you could have this TV that we did not find in the back of an old Best Buy. So make sure to call us now at 555-555-1276. You know, everybody... Zack Snyder's really shown us that the best way to improve cinema is to make it two hours longer, black and white, and fit on a square television. And also, throw on an R rating there and you're golden. So we decided we're going to come up with our own superhero flicks that we think should get the Zack Snyder treatment. So Jackson, what you got? So I've got Zack Snyder's uh, four hour long R rated black and white Wonder Pets. Okay, so, <laughs> so so give me some background here. Wonder Pets was the one that had, like, Crypto the Super Dog. Whatever Batman, Ace, Ace the Bat Hound. Yeah, like, a bunch of those. There was a cat with Flash's powers. No, wait, sorry, that might have been Super Pets. Wonder Pets was the thing with the the real turtle, duck, uh, and yeah. hamster. <laughs> wait, okay, scratch no, that. That's better. We're movie. going with that instead. <laughs> All right, yeah, so it's, it's not oh, Super Oh, and just pets. so you know, their names are Linny, Ming Ming, and Ta. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's not Super Pets now. It's it's Wonder Pets, the Nickelodeon show, with uh, th- yeah. those three names he just said. Um, it is gruesome, it is terrifying, and it will, remake, it will make you rethink your entire life up until that moment. Okay, so, so Jackson, you know, in the original show i i think the plot was normally like oh no we lost our ball what's the what's the Zack snyder equivalent in an r-rated film so they find an alternate dimension where they are the evil pets and this dimension is trying to take over this one and they gotta stop it except it's you know it's just extremely uh i guess not extremely gruesome it's gruesome this is not a kid's movie. If you liked that one scene in I Am Legend where he has to kill the dog, you're gonna love this film. <laughs> okay, okay. So, it, it's tough because all I can picture is... Because, like, the animation of this show was, like... It was all real photographs, wasn't it? Yeah, and they yeah, kind of. Okay. I'm there just, were some drawings as well, I believe, like in okay. the background, but the, yeah. the main characters were all like, yeah, like photos that were animals. moving around. They're not rotoscoped, but uh, like they were just cutouts of animals. Yeah, yeah. I I can't picture them looking even a little bit different than they do in the original show, but uh, it's just it, it's just in some harrowing situations. Well, uh, so Ming Ming is one of those ducks that you see in the Dove ads that's covered in oil. Oh, yeah. Um, but it is blood. <laughs> Tuck 
No, it's still oil. Tuck has one of those uh, those rings around his neck, oh. like from the soda, from yeah. like several soda bottles or yep. whatever. Yep. Um, and then what's gonna be up with the hamster? He's just gonna be missing a leg or something. <laughs> Got to keep it simple. His, with uh, him. One of his front yeah, arms, missing leg and an no, iPad. One of his front arms, yeah, is, definitely an iPad. One of his front arms is just replaced with a gun, <laughs> Barrett style. <laughs> okay. Okay, uh, I'm in. I'm in. Jason, well, what's your pitch? Alright, so my idea, it's a little different. Um, basically, I want that gritty, realistic Zack Snyder touch on the Animorphs. <laughs> so basically, okay. it's just going to be the books as written. So that's my pitch. What you got? <laughs> okay. okay, so I think... a big part of Animorphs is like the covers of the books and stuff would always show the transformation happening and there was always like a couple steps in the middle there that were pretty gruesome like just kind of hard to look at um I'm picturing a movie where they just get stuck in the middle like there is a a human being that is like two or three feet tall because it got they got stuck transforming into like a rat and their face has now been like shaped to a rat and they have the tail but they're still like human skin i do remind you there is the there's the constant threat in those books that if they turn into an animal and stay as that animal for a while they can't turn back oh yeah it's that's pretty scary in general like like i picture a, a big overarching plot point of the movie is that someone did have to change for too long and is now just like the team at <laughs> Well, this is what I'm saying. As written. That happens in the book. One of them yeah. turns into like a falcon, I think. And they're just stuck as a falcon. Dang, that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Uh it's yeah. Oof. <laughs> I also picture someone getting stuck in the process of transforming into like a much larger animal, like a gorilla. <laughs> And they just end up, they end up looking like beasts from uh, Beauty and the Beast. All right. So I found an article that goes over, it's it's, it's a 17 of the Animorph storylines guaranteed to give you night terrors. <laughs> the first one is an ant becomes a human and can't stop screaming. Nice. Wow. I gotta check um, these books out. In one of them. Rachel turns into a grizzly bear, gets knocked out in a fight, uh, and lands on an anthill, and they swarm her and try to eat her alive. Oh, God. And it describes it. <laughs> like, they're, they are successfully, like, ripping skin off of her. Weren't these children nice. books? <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Um, at one point, they trap a kid on an island. He turns into a rat. Oh, sorry. He turns into. They convince him to turn into a rat. They lure him to an island, and then they leave. <laughs> this man is trapped on a mysterious island as a rat. Nice. Oh. One of the characters watches their father get eaten by an alien. Yeah. Uh, when they turn into animals, they take on some of the features or uh, like a. Uh, personality traits of the animals and uh sometimes they want to eat each other nice well i mean how could you not (laughs) um obviously they gotta show they gotta show the transformations every time it happens Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
It's pretty crazy to think they could just they could just one hundred percent pull from source material and make this movie. Like, I I feel like the transformation would be like unimaginable pain. Like every time they do it, they just like drop to the floor screaming in agony, and then they're just like a goldfish after that. Okay, so so here's what I'm thinking for mine, and I'm going to give you part of the pitch so you can see where I'm going with this. So I'm thinking Zack Snyder's Power Rangers. And I know, like, technically there's already been, like, a more serious remake of the Power Rangers, but what I am picturing specifically is the film starts exactly like a regular episode of the Power Rangers. Specifically, like, one of the Origins episodes where they, like, are shown getting their abilities and things. And you have all these kids that are like, yeah, I'm gonna be a superhero, and... They go up and they do all these crazy poses like they're getting ready to fight. They like start looking all cool. There's explosions in the background. And then like Rita Repulsa just breaks one of the kids necks. And the others are just horrified at the reality of what is actually about to happen. And then the rest of the movie is basically a horror film of these kids that were trying to be superheroes and did not know what they were signing up for at all. I like it. Yeah. There's a lot to think about there. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I just think that there is so much media where kids throw themselves into incredibly dangerous situations with no preparation, and it always works out. And just once, I want it to not work out. I want want a Power Rangers movie that is a warning. (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, I, I think that, you know, I gotta take mine back to the drawing board. But in the meantime, what else have you guys been into? Jackson, what, what, what's been up the last week? So I haven't really done much, but I did play Trials of Osiris and Destiny 2 for uh, maybe maybe like 45 minutes earlier today. And hmm. I have to say, um, that's probably enough of that for me. Yeah, um, <laughs> this is I'm retiring from Destiny 2 PvP. Destiny? Um, no, I'm not retiring from Destiny, <laughs> but PvP, yeah. Can't get off of that. I, I think I'm done with the PvE, the PvP. Um, Trials has some big issues. Uh, matchmaking is not good. I, someone who sucks at the game, should not be getting paired up with people that have gone flawless multiple times, especially on the mm. first match. Yeah. Um, so that that's a real issue. Yep, that's how games are these days, folks. Uh, Jason, what what have you been into? Well, it's been a big week in media. For me in particular. (laughs) At the beginning of the week, I finished up Persona 5 Royal. I loved it. And it was great. And I also really liked Royal. Uh, Like, specifically, they they add a bunch of stuff at the ending. Uh, Like an extra semester. And it's it's really good. It's uh, got some good character moments. And I enjoyed the new palace that they added. I don't have too much that I can really say without getting into spoilers, because, uh, I mean, like, even just getting into any of my favorite stuff about the DLC requires kind of getting into spoilers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Makes that sense. was a great time. Uh, since I finished that, I've started up on Xenoblade Chronicles on the Switch. It's I really enjoy some parts of Xenoblade Chronicles, but then there are other parts uh that one i'm just still getting used to i guess and also the maps are too big 
There is so much walking around. It's a lot of open space. It almost feels like an MMO, just in like how large the maps are and the way that the quest system works in the game. It reminds me a lot of playing Final Fantasy fourteen. I'm going to see if I end up actually sticking with Xenoblade Chronicles or if I go back to playing Final Fantasy XIV because I never finished the... I never played any of the DLC for it. I've been thinking about that game a lot recently. <laughs> uh, I finally watched Pixar's Soul, uh, which I really enjoyed. Abby and I watched that uh, the night before last. Um, for me personally, it's <laughs> it, it's been a while since I've you know, really had any downtime to just like play games or watch TV um, other than stuff for this podcast. So, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of driving though, because I just got back to the office for the first time in almost a year. And with all that driving, I have been listening to a ton of the In the Heights original Broadway cast soundtrack. And I just gotta say, it is such a good album. I highly recommend it to everyone, even if you have no interest in Broadway. If you're not familiar, this was Lin-Manuel Miranda's first uh, Broadway show. It is just incredibly well written. The music is great in the context of the show or just as its own tracks. It has a lot of that hip-hop infusion that you see in like Hamilton from Lin-Manuel Miranda, but it's, it's very digestible to people even if you don't necessarily love hip-hop um which i i really dig um yeah it's, it's just such a good album across the board and especially with the new movie coming out uh this summer i think it is it is a great time to get on board listen to the music beforehand um i'm sure that come june we will do an episode on the movie adaptation and that's what i was talking about earlier of like i have it in my head of like I will definitely see this movie in theaters, maybe. <laughs> um, but like in, in my mind, that is the big cutoff, is I just want to be able to safely go back to a movie theater by the middle of June so that I can see this in theaters. But yeah, I've been listening to a ton of that. It is so good. I think out of pretty much all media, like even more so than most like shows or movies or video games, I think that the story of In the Heights is probably the narrative that I feel most like emotionally impacted by because a big part of it is this idea of um, Usnavi, the main character, is in this transitional period and he has these big plans and he's really on the up and up and then he loses uh, someone extremely close to him, like an, an, a critical part of his support system. And I really relate to that and get a lot from his journey and what he overcomes and it's just it's just such a good story and it's so well written and the music is fantastic and i I just can't recommend it enough one thing that all three of us have been into or are getting into and we will definitely have an episode about shortly is we've been into for 45 minutes one evening so far (laughs) well we have been as into as reasonably possible by this point in time is uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It's the, you know, more or less the follow up to WandaVision. It's the second of several Disney Plus Marvel shows on the horizon. I think it's going to be good. Like, I, I have high hopes, and I think that there were definitely some weird moments, but I think that this premiere cemented my excitement for the show. What did you guys think of it so far? I really enjoyed the first episode. Uh, 
I do got to say for anybody that, you know, really liked WandaVision and, you know, enjoyed how the, the story kind of like subverted expectations and was kind of trippy. I think this show is going to be a lot more just kind of uh, similar in tone to Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Yes. Uh, more of a political thriller type yep. thing. Definitely got that vibe. Mostly an action movie or action series. <laughs> yeah. I think I think for me personally, there is still yet to be a superhero movie that tops Captain America, the Winter Soldier. And this show definitely gives me that same type of energy, which I really appreciate so far. And I think it's I think it's a really good premise. What what the first episode sets up I, I think is promising for sure. Jackson, what'd you think? So yeah, I gotta agree with you on that. With it just it feels with the little bit we've seen of it so far, it feels a lot like Winter Soldier. And as that being one of my favorites, not sure if it is like number one, but I really enjoy that. That's how the show seems to be going. Yeah, I mean what they've shown in the first episode's been really cool. Uh, I really enjoyed kind of what they were doing with Winter Soldier. Because in, in this first episode, it's more or less just kind of showing them going about their normal lives now. Whereas, you know, Falcon is still working with the military, but he's also got, you know, a family back home that he's, you know, working with to try to ensure that they're taken care of and that he can be a part of their lives while also, you know, being the Falcon. <laughs> uh, whereas Winter Soldier... He doesn't really have the same opportunities as Falcon, seeing as he's over a hundred years old and <laughs> Falcon applies for a bank loan. And I'll just leave it at that, fellas. It was something. Honestly, I've thought about that scene more than anything else in the show since. But anyways, um, I think that that'll, that'll pretty much wrap us up for this episode of the Totally Biased Media Podcast. Um, if you want to reach out to us, we are on Twitter at TBMcast and Instagram at Totally Biased Media. And if you want to send us an email with your suggestions for future episodes or your reviews of some of the upcoming new release games or movies or music, you can send that to totallybiasedmedia at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to the second episode of the Totally Biased Media Podcast. I'm Jordan Walkup. I'm Jason Simmons. And I'm Jackson Walkup. Thank you, everybody. Goodbye. It's all right.